Before we get started with today's episode of Amped Up with Ryan Knight, we want to let you know that we have exclusive bonus content on Patreon at patreon.com slash amped up. You can find the video versions of all our interviews, as well as bonus content with me, Ryan's producer, Rob Bermudez. So make sure you check out our bonus content today at patreon.com slash amped up. Thanks for your support and enjoy the show. Welcome to Amped Up. This is your host, Ryan Knight, and our guest today is Steve Cox. Steve is running for Congress as an independent in California's 39th district. Steve, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Amped Up. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Since this is your first time on the show, why don't you start off by giving us a little bit about uh, your backstory and why you're running for Congress? Sure. Um, The backstory is actually in 2017, May of 2017, uh, my, my, my real job, my actual job is I'm a photographer and journalist that covers motocross and supercross racing. It's not really a serious job per se, you know, because it's all, you know, it's a hobby sport and whatever, but, um, you know, that, that's my job. And in 2017 in May, so that's after Trump took office and after the, the Democrats cheated Bernie the first time and all that stuff. Um, I was driving up to Northern California from here, um, for a race up there and just kind of lamenting. Cause I had just turned 40 years old and I was just kind of thinking about like, when is, when is somebody finally going to show up that I can really support as a candidate, as a, as a politician, somebody who I believe in, who I believe is telling me the truth, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I was just kind of like, like if I'm going to be 50 years old at that point or 60 years old when they finally show up or like, what if I make it to be 70 years old and I never actually find that person I can get behind? Like how upset am I going to be about that? You know? It was just kind of this thing going through my head and I do a lot of thinking when I drive and um, I just decided that I'd be the guy that I wanted to support. I would, you know, just jump in and and I have no idea what I'm doing when I first did it, but I, I, I just jumped in and was like, okay, let's see, let's see how this works. And then when I got to the race that weekend, because everybody in the industry knows me, motorcycle industry. Um, I told like everybody that would listen to me in the pits that I was running for Congress as an independent. And I did that because I wanted, I didn't want to allow myself the opportunity of backing out because <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot of work and it's, and, it, and it's, uh, right. you know, and it's scary, honestly, it's, it's terrifying, but, um, you know, so I didn't want to like, I, so I basically made it look like made it so that if I did back out, I'd look like a total asshole, you know, to everybody who I knew in my sport and my, in my profession. So that's um, good. That You're holding yourself my, accountable. That's yeah. You have to know the tricks, right? You have to know how to, how to fool your own brain into doing, you know, it's like how to, how to keep yourself from procrastinating and other stuff like that. That's more or less what it is. It's just knowing, knowing yourself and, and how it works, how your brain works. Um, so that, that's all I did. And, and the backstory on doing as an independent is that I am an independent. I've been an independent since 2002 or 2003. Um, at which point it was what I left the Republican party. I think you know a little bit about what it's like to update your belief systems and, and whatever. Uh, at oh, that yes. time, <laughs> at that time, I was a Republican in my mid twenties or whatever, and um, and uh, you know, then the Patriot Act came after nine eleven. Then we attacked the wrong country after nine eleven, and I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, I, you know, I, this isn't the party that I thought it was. And and then once I got outside, I realized 
that once you're an independent and you really are, you, you know, you, it's more than just a party affiliation or lack of party affiliation, but it's a, it's a mindset. And mm. once I became an independent, I started to realize that there was a lot of shit about the Republican party that was awful that I wasn't even really cognizant of, you know, and then I started leaning towards Dem Democrats for a while. And then Barack Obama broke me of that. So, uh, you know, he kind of radicalized me to the left. So now here I am. I'm, I'm a former Republican uh, left-wing libertarian. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. And I'm trying to win office because I think that in order to truly fix the system, and I think a lot of progressives are starting to figure this out. I think in order to fix the system, you have to be willing to vote both of those parties out of office, both of them. Um, and, and do it in as many seats as you can over the over a short period of time so that one of them hopefully changes how they behave and starts actually representing the regular people of this country rather than just their corporate donors and big money interests and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, um, what's interesting about your story is, is I started out as a Democrat, you know, and, you know, from the age of 18, from the first time I voted and. You know, I my evolution was I finally realized that the Democratic Party isn't really who they say they are either. And, yeah. you know, while while they're really good at kind of, oh, look, the Republicans are so bad. You know, everything the Democrats complain, uh, complain about the Republicans. Actually, the Democrats are doing it, too. Right. The yeah, Democrats are serving Wall Street. The Democrats are serving big business. They're, they're, yep. they're putting the interests you know, of the ruling class over the working class. They, of course. you know, they talk a good game. You know, they sedate the public with all these platitudes. Uh, but, you know, maybe they talk left, but they don't govern uh, like true leftist or like true populist uh, and no. definitely not like socialist as Republicans like to accuse no. them of to spread fear mongering. They, they govern like corporatist, yeah. uh, just like the Republicans do. And so you realize we're just, we're controlled by these two parties uh, that essentially are operate as one. And it's really just, you know, the party of, of big business and giant corporations and the military industrial complex. And, you know, yep. the rest of us are kind of left behind. So yeah. you know, that's why I was excited to talk to you today, because, uh, you know, I myself, you know, I, I left the Democratic Party last June, um, you know, after seeing what they did to Bernie for a second time and, yeah. and just seeing the DNC vote against uh, adding Medicare for all to their uh, platform. Oh, that was one of my uh, During the middle bits. of a pandemic. And then right after they voted down Medicare for all yeah. uh, last summer, they also voted against banning corporate uh, PAC money and they voted against banning corporate lobbyists, uh, which are the kind of the two things that have really corrupted our politics. If you, if so when pay, I saw that, I'm like, okay, the DNC yeah. doesn't want to reform itself. So why should no. we keep supporting this corrupt party? No, but, but if you really pay attention, you can see it. Like you can see it. It's plain as day. All you have to do is look at what they're actually doing instead of what they're saying. Um, exactly. the, the problem is, is that a lot of people are gaslit all the time. And, 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 you know, we have two or more than one, uh, a few liberal news networks and, and people just kind of go like, oh, well, Maddow said whatever, or, you know, uh, Tucker or not Tucker Carlson, this is the wrong, but, but, you know, Anderson Cooper or whatever says Anderson whatever. Cooper, right. And it's just kind of like, you know, like, give me a break, you know, it, like there is a, there, there is a point, And this is where I struggle with my, with my candidacy is I'm trying to say, First off, I'll fight anybody over anything. Like I, I'm a I'm a contentious asshole. I'll fight anybody all the time. I don't care. But but 
the big thing is, is if is, well, that's good. We need fighters. I mean, what well, we have I, now is no I, fighters. We have people who just roll over for I the two corporate agree. parties. You know, the reason why is because the people who win elections are people who try to get along with other people. Like that's the whole thing, right? And they're narcissists. They 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 consider their own self worth is based on what other people think of them, right? My self-worth is based off of what I think of me, and it's based off of what my family thinks of me. But everybody else, I don't care, right? You know, it's it's all just out there. But but yeah, we, we so we elect people who want to get along with, with people, and that's how they get elected. And then they go to D.C., and guess what? They want to get along with those people, too. And when they get along with those people, the whole thing comes apart, and you and all the the change that you supposedly vote for might as well just not even exist because it's not happening, you know. So um, my thing is, is that like, yeah, I, I'm a contentious asshole. I'll fight. I'll fight anybody over anything. But I don't. Cons- I don't. I don't want to win a popularity contest. I want people to vote for me and put me in there because they know I'm going to go in there and fuck shit up. I'm going to go in there and fight against all of them equally. Doesn't matter the letter after their name. Doesn't matter anything like that. Doesn't matter their their gender, their, you know, anything. I don't care. Like, I'm fighting all of them until the people of this country start getting the represent- representation they deserve. But the thing I was saying about my campaign, my campaign is tough because what I'm trying to tell people is, hey, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and people don't like to hear that. But but the reality is, is that like they're voting for these people. They keep doing this. They keep voting for one or the other corporate party that doesn't give a shit about them. And they just keep doing it and keep doing it. And then they fight everybody and, then, you know, telling everybody online that they're stupid for not doing it or whatever. And it's just like, you know, like people talk about wasted votes a lot when it comes to uh, third party candidates and independents and stuff like that. But it's every single vote that you put in towards somebody who says they're going to do one thing and then they do something else is a wasted vote every single That's time. That's right. You know, and so like, well, I think any vote for a party that is going to serve the oligarchy and serve Wall Street instead yeah. of Main Street is a wasted vote. Of and course. newsflash, both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party serve Wall Street. They don't yep. serve Main Street. Neither of these parties work for the people. And and I think it's so it's I I think what they've done is essentially, you know, they've it's kind of they're they're pretty much masters at it, what they've done, the two of them, because both these parties are basically using our government to enrich themselves and enrich their corporate donors. And what they do is they kind of they they pretend like they're opponents. You know, they, they, they battle over these kind of over over these issues. But what it comes down to the fact is the Republicans and Democrats, they're not even opponents. They're collaborators. They work together to funnel more money up to the ruling class. And so when I saw that, that it was just, this is all a sham. And, you know, when, when people say, you know, like, I think a lot of Democrats and and more, and some, and some people who still believe that call themselves progressive uh, and still believe in the democratic party, they, they get fooled because they say things like, well, but look at this. We elected, you know, these six progressive squad members. And oh, look, the Democrats, you know, we now control the White House and the House and the Senate. But that's that's not victories. You, you know, putting a get, you know, supporting a corporate party and getting a corporate party into power does not equate to victories for the working class. If you no. actually want to win victories for the working class and for the people, you have to fight back against these two corrupt corporate parties. You actually That's have right. to take the strategy you took. And I think, you know, everyone, what you said about going to, you know, getting along and, you know, going along to get along. The problem is, is if you're trying to get along in Washington, 
what you end up doing is you're just supporting a, a system that is rigged to, yep. to benefit uh, right, the oligarchy and the ruling That's class. Right. If you actually want to get anything done in there, you can't go along to get along. You have to fight back against the corrupt system. And no, we're not and seeing any of that right no, now. No, because neither party will do this. Like I had a, I have a really good friend of mine who, who I, I honestly love. His name is Johnny Joseph Jones, but he's a, he has a show on Fox News. He's a conservative. Um, you know, he also fought in, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. He lost both his legs uh, in, in Afghanistan. Um, after, well, after we were friends already and whatever, I've, I've known him forever. I really love the guy, but there was a time, uh, during the protests last year when Rand Paul got sort of, uh, confronted by a bunch of protesters. And my thing was, is like, first off, he calls himself a libertarian. If he was actually a libertarian, he should have stopped. And I mean, he's kind of tiny, but there was like, I saw a video of it. There were like planters around. He should have stopped, stood on one of the planters and then just said, hi, Hi, I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm Rand Paul. I'm a senator, whatever. What can I help you with? How, what do you guys want to talk about? Like, that's your job. You're a fucking representative of the people, right? right. That's your job. And, and instead he like ducked behind all his little, those people weren't going to hurt him, but he ducked behind his security and everything and like went away. And then he went online and started saying, oh, I almost got killed. It's just like, well, <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Just cause they're black doesn't mean they're going to hurt you, buddy. Like, you know, yeah. like, but, but, but I, I was pointing, he this fully out to chickened friend. out and someone who's supposed to believe in free speech isn't even right. engaging in it or trying no. to have a conversation Th with yeah, his exactly. constituents. Exactly. Yeah. And then and I was telling, I was saying this on Twitter and my friend, Johnny, who I know, who I love, he was like, he was like, well, what do you want him to do? Like, and I go, I go, well, if he was actually representing the people, he'd be naming names, the people, because he helped author the justice for Breonna Taylor act right to his credit. But he also, there's a political side of that in that he wants to get the benefit of writing that bill because he's from Kentucky without actually having to go through the effort of passing it and getting it actually put into law, you know, and, and that's the thing that happens a lot in DC. And so I was kind of like, you know, if he really wants to present, you know, present himself as a friend of the people that were, that were confronting him out in the street, he needs to actually just say, uh, you know, to name names like Mitch McConnell is the guy that won't let this come up to a vote or whatever, like whatever the blockade is, you name them, you say who they are. And I pointed that out to my friend and he goes, oh, well, but Mitch is a Republican. He's not going to talk crap about another Republican. And I'm like, that's the fucking problem. Like, that's the right. whole problem. And the Democrats do it all the time, too. I mean, AOC almost never says anything negative about a Democrat anymore. None of the quote unquote squad do. You know, they'll say, oh, I wish this could be better or I don't support this or whatever. But they'll never be like, Joe Biden is an idiot, you know, or whatever. Joe Biden is or doing Joe Biden the wrong is things. the one who is standing in the way of. Medicare yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he's beholden to his giant insurance companies. Yeah, that's right. They're willing to expose the corruption in the Republican Party. But that's right. the easy part. We everyone can see how corrupt the Republican Party is. The yeah, hard they part is it. having some moral courage and actually exposing the corruption in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, and exposing the fact that just like the Republicans, the Democrats work for their corporate donors. And that's why we're not seeing policies like Medicare for all and a $15 uh, minimum wage and any kind of structural policy that would actually benefit the majority of the people in this country. Well, you're aware of that because the Democrats don't want to help the majority of the people in this country. They just no, want to keep helping their corporate donors and sedating all of us with platitudes. But and it's not like true. Like, and, and it's not. Right. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time since that's actually like my whole life. I'm 40 
44 now, and I don't think there's ever been a point where the government actually did what was right for even regular white people, even if you want to talk about the fact that they that they have you know systematically discriminated against people of color, of every color, um, and, and stuff like that, which I completely agree. Um, they didn't even represent white people by the time I was born, <laughs> you know, yeah. like regular people. I mean, they only care about the rich. And there was that study from Princeton that point that like, I'm sure you're aware of the oligarchy yep. study that was like, you know, and, and so it's, it's actually fact. It's like scientific fact. It's not even a, right. a thing. And in 2011 is when I had the epiphany you had, I was sitting at home. I was high on blue dream and I was like kind of contemplating the world and I had just given $500 to Barack Obama a few years earlier in 2008 on the hopes of uh, fixing health care, getting us out of the wars, uh, increasing protections for federal whistleblowers, ending the prohibition of marijuana, etc. I gave him 500 bucks. Um, and then by then we had already gotten the Affordable Care Act, which I knew wasn't going to work because I understand basic economics. Um, and, and, you know, I was just kind of sitting there and I'm like, you know, what if I just had this epiphany? I was like, what if they don't actually want to do the things that they say they want to do? What if that's a thing? And, and, you know, I didn't really want to believe it because that's way worse news than you want to believe, you know, if you believe that, if you want to believe that you, we can fix this shit, you know, it's way, way worse. Absolutely. Well, and, and it's so, very lonely. It's a lonely place to be. It is. To, yeah. to, to finally figure out that like, holy shit, the, the, the blue team is corrupt too, yeah. just like the red team. And the team that says they're on our side and, and says they're on the people's side actually aren't on the people's side and, mm. and they're stabbing us in the back. And one thing for me, it's like, when you finally wake up and you see it, it's like, it's so simple, like provide you know, lip service or just providing lip service to a problem isn't going to actually solve the problem. And yeah. I'm just waiting for more liberals and more kind of people who are just so beholden to the Democratic Party to wake up and realize like, yeah, these platitudes that they spout on television don't mean a damn thing if they don't actually pass policies and back up their platitudes with real action that's going to benefit the lives of, every, of, of everyday people. But you know, I think they, the Democrats are masters at it. They, they, they're masters of deception where yep. they just continue to scapegoat Republicans or they find, you know, an issue like Russia and they scapegoat Russia and, and deflect when it's like Russian oligarchs aren't stopping us from having health care in this country. American oligarchs are, you know, the billionaire classes, the rich are the ones who control our government and, and are the reason that the working class can't live dignified lives. But the Democrats... Because they, 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 because they don't actually work for us, they kind of have to come up with these, these scapegoats. And I think that's one thing they've been really good at. Their new one now is they hate podcasters because we're telling the truth about them. So yeah. that's like the big new one I hear is like, oh, these podcasters are so terrible, right? You know, we're kind of yeah. like the new Russiagate uh, yeah. because we're not funded by you know, corporate media and we can say whatever yeah. the fuck we want. And we're calling out their corruption just plain yeah. and simply. Uh, Cause we're sick of it. You don't like, look, if you don't like being called corrupt, don't be fucking corrupt. I don't know. Thank it's pretty you. simple. Seems, seems pretty easy, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And, and, you know, that's also the push where we get this authoritarian liberal, you know, um, the liberals that, that want, and some progressives that, that believe in like deplatforming people and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, silencing free speech, I'm, which is I, very, yeah, I'm anti-traditional liberals. Yes, of course, but I'm a I'm a political dissident, right? Like by definition, I believe that our entire system is corrupt and that and that we have to tear it down or at least force it to uh eat itself, you know? Um yep. 
in order to fix it. So I'm a dissident. And so anytime anybody talks about, hey, we need to kick this guy off this platform. Like yesterday, there was a big thing about um, that stupid idiot Marjorie Taylor Greene um, not getting invited to, to Biden's thing, to his speech. And I'm like, yeah, she should be invited. She's a member of Congress and it's an address to Congress. Like she should be invited. She's an asshole, but she should be invited because that's how the system works. You know what I mean? And but like anytime I see these sort of uh, attempts at silencing people or, or you know, sort of mean girling them out of the way, um, it, it really kind of gets under my skin because I know that'll be be me next. It'll be anybody like me next. Well, that's what they're doing, though. It's actually I'm glad you brought this up. I mean, that is kind of what the neoliberal uh, corporate Democratic Party is doing now. They're trying to kind of build this bubble and put liberals around this bubble, because here's the truth of the matter is, nothing that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing right now with the full control of government is actually helping the poor and the working class, nope. and even communities of color who they continually pander to for votes. Everything right. the Democrats are doing are helping the ruling class and kind of these upper middle class uh, wealthy elite liberals. And I can so explain because, exactly why that because is Because they're too. not helping the, the, the actual working class, they have they create these kind of echo chambers and, and these bubbles, uh, you know, kind of the MSNBC and CNN bubbles. And then anyone who kind of has any thought that's outside of those two bubbles, you know, anyone like me, I mean, what everything you're saying, they're trying to do to me. They try to cancel me. They try to I had 120 people go uh, and spam uh, Apple podcast a few days ago and leave me one star reviews like. Obviously, these people have never listened to the podcast, so it's yeah. Like I, I've been I've been canceled. Attack. I've I've been but, canceled at least a half a dozen times. This, at this is point. what they do. They would rather cancel voices who are trying to actually shake up the system and yeah. fight against the status quo because they just want to keep governing for Wall Street and and doing the bare minimum for everyday people, That's less right. than the bare minimum, kind of. You know, you're not satisfied like, with your crumbs, then shame on you. You know, yeah, it's, just it's kind the of bare minimum. Anyone who fights for better, it's the bare minimum that they determine, like that they that they can sell to you as the bare minimum. That's really what it is. The Democratic mm. Party, the Republican Party, does it some too, but but the Democratic Party specifically, they love to pass meaningless reforms that aren't going to do a goddamn thing, and then sell it afterward like it's some major reform and that everybody should be so happy with them for doing it. That's, that's their, their, uh, it's a PR move after the fact. That is the affordable care act. It is. It's you know, also it is the not, assault weapons it's not affordable. You know, right. it, it's not a universal healthcare plan. That's it left right. uh, 27 million people uninsured and that's right. it, almost 92 million people underinsured. Yep. Uh, it is a for-profit predatory health insurance system. Right. But you're right. They've dressed it up. They go on television afterwards uh -huh. and they dress it up like it's this great thing because it's good for the giant insurance companies and it's good right. for big pharma who are the, some of their biggest donors. And the Centers for American Progress and all their other stupid think tanks, their corrupt bullshit think tanks and whatever, those are all going to get money from Blue Cross, Blue Shield and, and everything else like, that. you know, Raytheon. Like they're going to they're going to continue getting that money. And that's that's really what it's about. It's about their their complex. It's the Democratic or, or the political industrial complex, even that it's yep. just a matter of making sure that they continue to get their their cut of the uh, of the the pie, you know.
No, absolutely right. I mean, there's so many of these groups and organizations who call themselves quote unquote progressive and there's nothing progressive about them. Nope. And if you want to see, just look and see how many of them right now are challenging the party that controls our entire government uh, to be to actually pass an agenda that would help working class people, a, a truly progressive agenda. And you will, you cannot find any of them. Move on, you know, the Center for American Progress, even the DSA, I you know, know. they're they won't even challenge Joe Biden and they definitely won't challenge the squad. I mean, you're not seeing any pushback from really any of these progressive groups. And and, and for me, it just, it just kind of has radicalized me more. And I mean, you talk about being a dissident, you know, I, I am as well. I mean, I believe that we're not going to see any fundamental change, uh, unless we break this system up and break the duopoly up and, 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 and get these all of these people out of power. I mean, I see Nancy Pelosi as just as corrupt as, as Mitch McConnell. Of course, you know, I see um, you know Barack Obama and 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 Donald Trump. Both of them are corrupt. You know, of course. Same thing. You know, Joe Biden in many ways is Trump 2.0. But of course, you know, if you're yeah. only listening to the well, platitudes and you're only watching MSNBC, that yeah. just sounds like blasphemy to the liberals. Well, yeah, but Joe Biden. Like, you know, Donald Trump sucks. I didn't vote for him. I didn't support him. Same. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to be nice about Donald Trump, okay? But I'm just saying, no. if we're going to talk comparisons, Donald Trump is, is a symptom of the problem. Like, he's one of the rich people that pays off politicians and does all this other stuff his whole life. But truthfully, every single thing that he did that was so awful between jailing children and separating from their families, um, you know, the warfare stuff, like, you know, the, the drone bombings and killings and all the other stuff he was doing in the middle East. Um, all of these things that was shit. Oh, and like arresting protesters with federal, like people coming in and, and like disappearing protesters and stuff like that. These are all things that Joe Biden helped create. Joe Biden is the architect that made the system that Donald Trump was using like that. You know, it's a thing that uh, uh, Edward Snowden calls turnkey tyranny, right? Which is Hmm. you, you take, you take, you take tyranny, like you set it all up and all it takes is the right person to get into office and use it. Right. And, and that's all it is, is. And so like why would and then anybody... you turn around and they act like they're so innocent? Like yeah, oh, gasp! I can't uh, believe you did this when this is actually the exact system yeah. that I created. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And so, like you know, Joe Biden wrote the 1994 crime bill that that resulted in. I mean, to his credit, Donald Trump helped helped reverse a lot of that crime bill with his. Uh, uh, I think it was First Step Act. Um, but it was about the, uh, the, he signed, it was pushed by the Kardashians and, or Kim Kardashian, yeah. but it, it was, didn't go far enough, but it was kind of, no, no, but it was, it, it was in the yeah. right direction at least, which is the first yeah. time we've had something go in the right direction in terms of criminal justice in a long time, you know? So, uh, like, and that was undoing large parts of what Joe Biden wrote into law. Right. And then everybody's like, Oh, we got to get this orange guy out. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't really care. Like I, I don't see them as much different at all. And really the worst part is, is the liberals have gone back to sleep again, you know, where yep. before they were still up in arms. So, you know, I don't know. Yep. Well, let's, let's look at Joe Biden here. Cause Joe Biden has been president for a hundred days now. And he just gave his state of the union address and yep. the corporate media, as well as liberals are falling all over themselves talking about how quote unquote progressive he has been. But the facts tell a different story. Of course. Uh, the kids are still in cages. There's yep. no Medicare for all. There's no public option. Uh, he's approved over 31 new drilling permits. There's no ban on fracking, no Green New Deal. He lied about $2,000 checks. 
actually he, he's giving less. He gave less relief than Trump did. Trump That's gave right. a $1,200 check and a $600 check, That's which right. is $1,800. And That's Biden right. uh, gave a $1,400 check. Yeah. Uh, Biden uh, didn't fight for the $15 minimum wage. He backed off the fight when he could have fought for it. Uh, there's no student debt cancellation. There's actually more funding for police. Uh, if you look at uh, Biden, he bragged Q1, about that ahead of time. He, right, he but said you look ahead at, of time. You, yeah, he did brag about it ahead of time. But then you look at Q1, what we've spent. We've actually spent more. The, the federal government has given more money to militarize the police in the first quarter of 2021 than than Trump gave uh, in his final quarter. Uh, yeah. Also, there's been an increase in the military budget. Uh, Biden has already bombed Syria, so there's a continuation of the endless wars. And Biden is not ending the war in Afghanistan. He's actually privatizing it. He's leaving 18, there's 18,000 contractors that will remain and 1,500 off the book soldiers. So Joe Biden may have delivered a few good platitudes last night, but that's what the Democrats always do. They talk like progressives, then govern like corporatists and liberals always fall for it. And in this moment, when the economy is more rigged than ever, uh, against the poor and the working class, and the billionaire class and giant corporations are making record profits off the backs of the working class, empty platitudes from Democrats just aren't going to cut it anymore. We need actual policies that are going to lift up the working class, like a yep. living wage or Medicare for all. Yep. And Democrats Federal control jobs the entire government, yeah. yet they refuse to pass any structural policies that would restructure the economy. You know Steve, why? What is your what is your reaction to Biden's State of the Union last night, his first 100 days, and where the working class goes from here? Because because we're not seeing any real representation right now. Well, I I don't even care about his State of the Union to be perfectly honest with you, but <clears throat> but the reason why um, this system works the way it works is because that's the design. Like you know, it's all it's all smoke and mirrors, right? Um, but the the this push of of Joe Biden as some sort of progressive hero is the most asinine thing. Like I honestly didn't even see it coming. Like I thought that that would be far too ridiculous. Um, but but you know, I, I mean, you know, I gave I gave a bunch of money to Bernie Sanders in both of his runs too, um, and I was so sad um, to watch him this last time going on like Colbert and other shows like that but while he's still in the race and essentially endorsing Joe Biden after the party just totally cheated him and being like, Oh, well, you know, uh, I mean, Joe can totally beat Donald Trump and, and Joe's a good friend of mine. He's a decent man. And I'm just like, you're an asshole. Like I turned on Bernie too. I'm done with Bernie. Like I'm so, so over this shit. Like, I, what, again, it comes back to this whole thing. When are we going to actually have people who actually stand up for what's actually right, the right thing to do against everybody that gets in the way? Because when somebody, politicians love to talk about fighting for their constituents and that's when they're campaigning, they're always like, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to go to DC and I'm going to fight for you. That's the language they use. And then they go to DC and they just like, you know, cower in a corner and kiss everybody's ass. And it's like, you know, when you say you're going to fight for somebody, that means that when you when you go there, anybody who's in the way of the things that you want to get done for your people, for your constituents, they are the people you're supposed to be fighting. All of right. them. And it doesn't matter what, what party they have or what they, you know, anything. Nothing matters besides the fact that they're standing in the way of the shit that you think needs to get done. Like, that's your job. 
So, but we don't even have that. Like, I'm almost envious to see those videos from like West or like Eastern Europe where, when parliament's there where people like get in fist fights and shit. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, at least they give a shit, right? Like, at least right. those people, I don't even know what they're fighting about, but at least they care enough to fight over it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and time and time again, we see the politicians like the, you know, the Joe Manchins of the world and the Joe Bidens of the world and, and the Nancy Pelosi's of the world. They go to the mat to fight for the class they represent, which is the, the ruling class and big business. But what we don't see is, you know, AOC and the squad and even sometimes Bernie, like you're saying, we don't see them go to the mat for the working class uh, mm -hmm. when push comes to shove. Right. And, and, you know, I was a part of the force the vote campaign this uh, earlier yeah. this year, uh, which trying to right demand move. some real concessions uh, yep. from uh, uh, from Nancy Pelosi if we were going to elect someone like her uh, as a speaker during a time of just great inequality when her whole career she has just you know fought uh, for the big banks and, and the giant corporations and and the squad didn't want to have anything to do with it they they didn't want to have anything to do with actually using their seats to demand true do you know why concessions me, and it was let me so tell disappointing you, let me tell you why Try to imagine every issue that you need to run on in a campaign, right? As a politician or a party, when you're campaigning and you're trying to tell people what you stand for or whatever on any given issue, it's all mostly wedge issues, right? It's immigration, it's gays, it's, uh, you know, like, should gays have rights? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yes. it's, it's, yeah, of course. Um, it's, yes, it's, I should have rights. <laughs> right. It's abortions. It's, uh, you know, any number of things, right? Um, but it's all these these uh, wedge issues and healthcare has become one of these now. Um, but but the thing is, if you imagine every one of those single issues being a different arrow in your campaigning quiver. Right. So you have a quiver behind your back as an archer. And you pull this arrow when you want to you want to talk about immigration. You fire the immigration arrow. That's your position on immigration or whatever. If they actually solved any of these problems, they'd run out of arrows like they start losing mm. arrows. That's really what it's about. They don't want to fix anything because they make their their money and their power and, the, and they bring everything in for their party um, by using those issues to do that. So they can't mm. fix them. Like, you know, and there's no I mean, what's really the accountability? Like how often is somebody actually voted out of their seat once they're in it? You know, it's pretty rare. And so. Yeah. Um, and, and usually it's just replaced by somebody who's going to do more or less the same thing as them anyway. So it doesn't really matter, but, but ultimately that's what it's about. I'm convinced that's what it is. They, they actually legitimately don't want to do any of those things. They know they're the right things to do in many cases. I'll bet you there's a lot of Republicans that even know that it's the right thing to do to have Medicare for all and stuff like that. People in office, I mean. But but the but they're never going to do it because even if even if they could get it done, it actually makes it harder for them to get reelected to actually because they start losing things to campaign on fixing. You know, right. it's, it, that's what it that's they can that's, they can no longer pander. I mean, they'd have actually right. put wins on the board. Yeah, but I think you're right. I also think it. it it, you know, it's bad for their corporate donors. I mean, oh, look of and, course, you know, of course, the reason, hand in hand. you know, the Democrats and Republicans are against Medicare for all is because it's bad for the giant insurance companies. And that's yeah, but like the border, for example, I don't know. I mean, there's there's the private companies that run the, the prisons at the border and stuff like that. But but, the, you know, the corporate interests in keeping people out of this country or, or jailing them and separating them isn't really there. 
Um, well, you, so the, the for-profit, the for-profit prison yeah. industry. I mean, of course, you know, of course. But that's one. You thing, know, the same and, reason and they're always at war. Smaller, of course, right? yes, yes. You know, the, right. the the the, the for-profit war industry and the military-industrial complex. And that's so right. That's why they don't bring our troops home. They, they they're making money from sending poor and working. Yeah, I mean, I, if it wars. hasn't happened already, if it hasn't happened already, we are going to have somebody here soon who was born after 9-11 die in one of these wars caused supposedly by the, by 9-11 happening. So, um, I mean, that's pretty messed up if you really yeah. think about it. Well, and like I was saying earlier that the gaslighting from the media and both corporate parties is out of control right now. And just look at this economic recovery. It is, you know, it, it, there has been no economic recovery for the poor and the working class, no. right? The billionaire class and big business are doing better than ever. But the economy, like I said, is more rigged than ever against the working class, and neither party wants to do anything about it. Steve, what kinds of policies do you support that would help restructure the economy for the working class? Well, I, I obviously believe in a $15 minimum wage, but it should be actually a lot higher than that at this point, especially in California. Um, so one of the things that I've, I've championed is, is to force corporations to pay back any amount of money that goes to any of their employees for uh, housing subsidies, food subsidies, medical subsidies, um, and actually, you know, any sort of welfare programs that their that their employees are on, the company should have to pay them back after out of their corporate profits. And in like 2016, maybe 2015, um, Walmart uh, profited like 15 billion dollars that year, but their employees made or like took in about seven billion, something like that, in in government. Uh, welfare program payments and stuff. So like that would have cut their profit in half essentially. Um, and that would have killed their stock values and all kinds of other shit. And that's what they really care about is their stock value. So I think you do something like that um, and you would at least force those big corporations to pay uh, a, a reasonable wage, at least enough to keep people off of, uh, uh, you know, welfare and stuff like that. But the bottom It really line, shows you like who owns our government, right? Like when yeah. our government is willing to you know, to basically subsidize and and, and pay for uh, the the employees uh, because the corporations don't want to pay their employees a living wage and a fair you know the, wage. You know, and there's so just a, for these employees to survive, they have to get you know, which they should. But yeah. actually, the, these corporations, if they were paying, if they weren't exploiting their workers and they were paying their workers a fair wage right. and a living wage, then then these workers wouldn't have to rely on the government. But it just shows you that. This government will do anything. Like when a lot of people say, think like, oh, you know, socialism is when the government does stuff. Like not this government. Not, that's actually not what socialism is. Socialism well, it's is not, when the working yeah. class, you know, owns the means of production. That's right. You know, this government, you know, it is an arm of these giant corporations. We have, you know, it's a capitalist state we live in where, yeah. where the, the, the government is essentially owned uh, uh, by these giant corporations. And so it's just so beholden to them that it doesn't want to do anything for, for the working class. And if the working class does rise up, the government is the first one through militarized police forces to stop any kind of revolution that would put power back in the working class people's hands. So the state is the one who's really kind of uh, aiding these giant corporations uh, and these, you know, these oligarchs and, and the one who is the first to, to quell any type of revolutionary action that would give people more power and take power away from the corporation. Hey, uh, Ryan, do you know what this is called? It's called fascism. That's what the fuck fascism is. Yeah. When the government and the and, and private business work together to subjugate the people 
that's fascism. That's what the fuck fascism is. And yeah, so it's a every, merger between, you know, government power and corporate power. Yeah. So every time I see like people talking about Donald Trump as a fascist, I'm like, Barack Obama was a fascist. Uh, George Bush was a fascist. Bill Clinton was a fascist. The other Joe George Biden, Bush I call him a fascist. blue fascist. Yeah, same but thing. they're all fascists because they all do the yep. same shit. And that's what fascism is. You know, so like, uh, you know, this I that, that was the other thing is I always poo pooed the uh, the like Donald Trump's a fascist thing. And I'm like, yeah, so he's just like everybody else who's been in that office in my entire yeah. life, basically. He <laughs> so, was just loud. I mean, Donald Trump yeah. just said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Every Republican before him thought, but just wasn't as loud as him. And I think he was I think he, Donald Trump was a mirror that kind of showed us yeah, like, who and what America true. really is. And America's not pretty. You know, no. we are we are a fascist state. We are you know, we are a, we are a state where the rich keep getting richer uh, off the backs of poor and working class people. Yeah. And, you know, we also cause destruction and chaos all throughout the world. Yep. You know, we're definitely not healing the world. We are polluting the world and, and engaging in these endless wars and bombing the world. And so, yeah, I think for in many ways, Trump just kind of showed everyone who America was uh, to, to kind of and he took it up a notch. And I think that I think it's dangerous. I think in many ways, Joe Biden is more dangerous than Trump because at least with Trump, the media held Trump accountable and liberals were always like up in arms. But now with Joe yeah. Biden, it's like the kids are still in cages. The wars are continuing. There's five uh, times know, as still, many kids in cages. Five times You know, as we're many still putting corporations over people. We're still putting the billionaire class over the working class. And, but now liberals aren't up in arms about it. They're actually applauding it. And yeah. the corporate media is not holding Joe Biden accountable at all. So it's, in many ways, the Democrats are more dangerous because it's like they're, they're allowed to get away with all this stuff because yeah. they kind of dress it up and, and, and sell corruption better with these yeah. empty platitudes, whereas the Republicans are more brazen with their corruption and kind of yeah. don't you know, have any pretense and don't hide it. That's right. Republicans are like, hey, I, I think the rich should have more money because then when they have more money, we'll get more money at the trickle down thing. Right. So right. like they're honest about it. They're like, yeah, I want the rich to do better. Like that's their whole thing. And then the Democrats are like, no, we want the regular people to be better. But then they go behind their back. They're like, no, it's actually the rich, too. Like we got to. Yeah. You know, so and just it, look, Greg, it's the same. you know, we live in the most un, we live in we live in a time and in a society with the highest levels of wealth and equality in human history. Yep. And the Democratic Party, the party that claims it's for the people, doesn't even support a wealth tax. And actually, right now, a group of Democrats in the Senate are fighting uh, for uh, this uh, to repeal the salt tax that actually will only benefit uh, millionaires and, and billionaires and, and actually put more money in their pocket. So during a time of mass inequality, look and see what the Democrats are doing. They're actually yep. uh, passing the same kind of policies that benefit the 1%. And they're not actually fighting for any structural reforms that would benefit the majority of the people. Now, because we it know they're not a revolutionary them. party, but the Democrats are not even reformers. Like, no. They are not even reformers. They are corporatists. They are blue fascists. They are given whatever thing that just supports giving the rich more money. That's what the Democrats are. They're not. They're, they're the Republicans that, that are more friendly in language, at least about right. people of color and, and LGBTQIA issues and, and whatever. But it's mostly just language and it's really just a pandering to try and get the votes of those people to counter the predominantly white votes that, that the Republicans get. So really, this is really just thousands of years, thousands of years now. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say this correctly, but I'm going to try. Um, the, the Latin is divide et impera, 
which is divide and conquer or divide and rule. It comes from Latin because I was one of the Caesars who said that way, way back, like thousands of years ago. It's the same shit now. It's nothing has really changed. All it is is a bunch of oligarchs at the top using us like puppets and going like, hey, you know, you know, those. Uh, those black guys, if they would just listen to the cops, they wouldn't get shot, you know? And then, and then <laughs> the other people are like, Oh, these guys, you know, they they think that everybody should just get shot, you know, but, but the, they divide us by color, by race. I mean, you know, whatever that is, they, they divide us any possible way that they can, but the only real fight there should be is between the bottom 99% and the top 1%. And we, you can tell by the number there, we got them. If we just actually focused on the proper enemy, if we actually went after those people, we would be fine, you know, and yep. like leave each other alone. I get canceled so much. I get canceled by progressives. I get canceled by supposed socialists. I get canceled by by uh, uh, Republicans. You know, when I when I said that, I hope that Donald Trump would die of covid, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like Republicans freaked out. I had people in my in my private messages and stuff telling me like threatening my life and doxing me, but also in public and then in private messages, like literally threatening to rape my nine month old daughter at the time, you know, mm. stuff like this. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, who's really winning this battle? Right. Because yeah. most of those people, you know, are a little loony, but, but they're not necessarily bad people. They're just being pushed in a certain way by the people that they choose to listen to. So when you listen to, 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 uh, Tucker Carlson or any of these types of people, they're going to radicalize you in a certain way. And if you listen to Rachel Maddow and those types of people, they're going to radicalize you in another way. But all of it's just designed to keep everybody fighting each other. But we aren't enemies, me and you, me and anybody on the regular side, because it's a class struggle. It's always right. been a class struggle. But the, but but they don't, you know, they keep us divided outside of the class. But every single, well, every, go ahead. The reason ahead. divide and conquer works is because if you can if you can pit the people against each other and you can convince what they've essentially done is is they they the elites in this country and both corporate parties have convinced the people that were the problem when it's actually the elites who are the problem that are rigging yep. the system against us. Of course. And, and it's genius if you think about it, because while we're busy fighting each other, while the 99% busy fighting each other, Many of us are too busy to notice that the 1% in these politicians are rigging the system against us. So as long as you can keep us fighting each other, it, it prevents people from waking up and seeing that like we're all comrades. You know, yep. the 99%, the, you know, all of us, you know, we most Americans, if you look on the issues actually, like we support policies like a living wage and Medicare for all yep. and you know, public, uh, universal public college and universal childcare. You can go down the list. The majority of Americans actually are very progressive. Yeah. It's the, it's the parties. It's the two corporate parties who aren't progressive because they just want to keep, you know, governing for the capitalist class and for the ruling class and continue to govern for these giant corporations that fill their campaign coffers. And so what they do is they, they each have a message. You're absolutely right. That plays well to their, to their base. And, you know, what woke me up is, is the Democratic Party who says, you know, I'm LGBTQ. They pander to my community all the fucking time. Yeah. They're at every pride parade, you know, they, it's like, but what, what finally woke me up, it's like they pander to us for our votes, but then they get power. They're not helping poor and working class LGBTQ people. They're not mm -hmm. helping, you know, my trans and non-binary siblings who desperately need Medicare for all. You know, they're helping the, the wealthy LGBTQ of course. people. You know, and, 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 and they, they pander so hard to, to black people. 
And then you look at it and it's like, they keep saying the black people are the backbone of the Democratic Party, and yet the Democrats are not even fighting for a true reparations bill when they have the entire government. They're not fighting to defund the police. They're actually fighting to, to uh, what they say is reform the police, but that just means to give the police more money, which time and time again has not worked. If you give the police more money, that is, that is not gonna solve any of these problems. And so when you realize that they're, it's, they're, they're using marginalized communities, they're pandering to us for our votes, but then they're, we're giving them power and then they're not actually fighting for us to, to improve our lives and improve our material conditions when they have power, they're stabbing us in the back. So when yeah. I realized that, I'm like, fuck the Democratic Party. <laughs> you know, they're actually in many ways worse than the Republicans because the Republicans, they don't pretend. They're not out there like, yeah, we care about gay people. We care about you, dude. They're just like, in, in some ways, they can be openly bigoted. Of but course. at least they're telling me who they are, whereas the Democrats are like, yeah, we're your friend, and then they stab us in the back. Of course. And I'd rather someone announce themselves, right? Well, yeah, actually, you want to know who you're that, looking at, right? I'd rather actually not us be divided. No, of I'd course, rather of course. work to bring of the course. 99% together so, so that we live in a country where everyone has opportunity and everyone has dignity well, uh, and justice you know, is I know available you, to everyone. I know you know the these numbers. Cross. I know you know these numbers, but... Um, I'll just say them anyway. The Democratic Party, the DNC, voted 79% against putting Medicare for All on the Democratic Party platform, which, by the way, the platform by itself is meaningless anyway, right? right. It they doesn't wouldn't even really add it to the shit. platform. No, but they wouldn't even do that. And 88% and of Democrats, which should be the people that they care about, that they care about representing because they're part of their party, the most, let's say, 88% um, of Democrats support it. 67 or something percent of, of independents support it and like 50% or 51% of Republicans support it. And like overall, it's like 66% or something like that. So you have a clear majority that wants this particular thing and the party wouldn't even put it on the platform and it wasn't even a close vote. It wasn't nope. even fucking close. Dude, right? that's why I left the Democratic <laughs> Party. That was it for yeah. me. When I saw that during a pandemic, when 88% of Democratic voters support Medicare for All and the DNC platform committee voted it down, it wouldn't even add it to their platform, no. which like you said, is not even binding. I mean, they no. could, because they didn't even want to send a signal to, to the, the ruling class and, and That's to right. the, the giant insurance companies. They're like, yeah, you know, we're leaning this way. In fact, uh -huh. there was a story about a year and a half ago that one of Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's aides said uh, to one of the CEOs of one of the giant insurance companies, oh yeah, don't worry about you know, Bernie and Warren and all these progressives who are fighting for Medicare for all because it's never gonna pass. We're never even gonna bring it to a vote in the democratically controlled mm -hmm. house. And so when you think about that, just think about this. The Democratic Party says they're the party of healthcare and we can't even get a floor vote in the middle of a pandemic on Medicare for all in the party that calls itself the party of healthcare. And, and you just, I, they're a complete lie they're, because we know they're not the party of healthcare. They're the party of for-profit predatory health insurance. Yes. And so when you see that the entire party is a lie, you realize if we ever want power for the people, we have to work outside this party. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is, um, you know, we, we really do have a lot more in common. Um, and the thing about being an independent, which I think is very important because there's a lot of third party stuff, green party, libertarian party, whatever other parties, um, but as a, as a, as an independent, when I'm around canvassing houses before the pandemic and I'm knocking on doors and I'm going like, 
hey, you know, uh, uh, somebody answers the door. And by the way, I never had enough funding to actually be able to, like, there's a thing called PDI that you could use that, that'll tell you, like, which houses to stop at because they're the ones that are going to be most likely to be friendly to you as a, as a politician. I never had the money to pay for any of that shit. So I was just knocking on random doors. If it looked like somebody was home, I would just knock. Um, so I would get Republicans. I would get, you know, right-wing libertarians. I would get uh, liberals all the time. I'd get Green Party people. Um but every time, like literally almost very close to 100% of the time, I would knock on a door. The day they'd answer the door, I would say, hi, my name is Steve Cox. I'm running for uh, Congress here. Do you have a minute? You know, and almost 100% of the time they, they fold their arms in front of them like this and they kind of give you the this look and they go, which party? And I go, I'm an independent. And then they go, like, again, almost 100% of the time they go, oh, Okay, well, what do you think about this thing or that thing? And they immediately engage because I'm not the enemy. I'm not the one who's in the other party that they don't like or whatever. You're, you're it, not the one that they've been taught to think yeah. is the bad guy. And if I said I'm divided. green, that's right. And if I said I'm green party or I said I'm libertarian party, people still have a mental image of what that even is. So there's you're not starting at a zero point. You're not starting at a fresh start. You're starting at their preconceptions of what a green person is or a, or a libertarian person or whatever. So there is genuine power, I believe, in being an independent candidate. And so it's not just about getting me elected, although that that I think that's the first step in, in this particular movement. But I'm going to help other independents. I'm putting out I'm going to put out a handbook after this election to help people understand the laws and how to run for office, what kind of paperwork they have to file with the FEC to stay on the right end of things, how to raise money once I figure that shit out. Uh, um, Cause I still haven't. Uh, and, and, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it's about. Cause I want to start getting more independence in, and it's not an ideological thing because I would imagine that there's going to be many districts across the country that are Republican run or very conservative because most districts are gerrymandered to favor one or the other party. But if if uh, if an independent who's conservative, but who isn't hopefully a racist like, you know, I won't stand for racism or, or uh, bigotry of any kind, nothing like that. But but if they're just a conservative and they're, but they want to run as an independent and they want to run with no corporate backing and all this sort of stuff and small money donors and et cetera, I will help them directly, even if they're, they don't fit ideologically with me, because I figure that if once they get into Congress, first off, the important thing is that both of those parties lose that seat because the, the industries that own those two parties, that's the only way they can lose that seat. If you switch the parties, it's the same industry still control it. So, you, right. you know, you got, you got to kick them both out. But also, once we're in Congress together, even a conservative independent, I, I know that we're going to be able to have an honest debate about what needs to happen because we're not going to have lobbyists telling us what position that we're supposed to have. And I, I like my odds in any of those sorts of arguments because I used to be a conservative and I know how they think and I know how wrong I was and why. And I know how wrong they are and why. And I, and I can help. Like, you know, I can I can I can win those those battles in Congress. It's just that most of the time those battles, the, the winner is predetermined, you know, because right. because it's a matter of what the lobbyists, what the big business wants, you know. So well, I you think were it's really early, important. Absolutely. What, what you were saying earlier about how when you speak your truth and you, you talk unapologetically about the corruption in both parties and there's just there's so many people who will try to cancel you. Yeah, and I've had the same experience where people will just. They have this intense reaction to anyone who kind of un is not beholden to the to this this fear that because what well, here's what happens both parties essentially 
have this, use the same thing to keep us divided and retain their power. And it's fear. Of course. You know, you know the conservatives tell us, you know, tell people that it's the liberals. They're destroying America. You know, they're, they're going to bring, they're going to bring socialism. You're going to have Stalin right. running this country. Oh, how shit! How what a shame! The working class will control the country instead of the billionaire class. No, yeah. but yeah. So, so the conservatives have this message of fear, like, oh, the liberals are destroying America. Well, right. the, the Democrats do the same thing. They, they of course. say, oh, it's the conservatives; they're destroying America. And so, when people are just so used to the fear, and, and no matter if they got it from the blue team or the red team. They don't know how to react to people who've gotten out of the matrix and who are like, I am done with both of these parties yeah. who program us to hate each other. And yeah. I'm actually trying to, to do something that's bigger and trying to actually like build a movement and, and bring people together that, yeah, maybe they're socialists, maybe they're libertarian, maybe they're used to be Democrats, maybe they used to be Republicans. At their core, they're, they're people. They're that's part right. of the 99% and they just want to live in a nation and in a world. Where, where everyone uh, w can succeed and where everyone can get a good education and can have health care and can live a dignified life. And we can actually have a planet that's habitable to pass oh, down uh, to future generations. Because yeah. the, here's the truth. We're so far away from anything that resembles like true dignity and justice for all people. And that is because both of these parties are owned by these giant corporations and the billionaire class. And you're absolutely right. The, the corporations have hedged their bets. So it doesn't That's matter right. if it's a Democrat or Republican because whoever wins the seat, they're owned by the same parties and the same billionaires. Yeah, so right. You, you're right. We have to get all of them out. And uh, I want to kind of get us back to kind of this, the strategy that a lot of progressives are using still, um, yeah. because I think we have to talk about that because I don't think it's- And I'm not it. a progressive, by the way. I've never claimed to be a progressive- I'm a, I'm a left libertarian. That's as far as I, but mostly I just an independent, I think for myself, you yeah. know? So, well, so, uh, I, you know, for the I, past I four years, way, yeah. the main strategy within kind of the movement, right. Yeah. People that call it the progressive movement, right. They've been trying to change the democratic party from the inside. And, yeah. which and is not going to work, but yeah. Right. It's seen the election of people like AOC and the squad, which many will use as evidence that this approach is working. But the problem is AOC and the squad are not changing the party from within. The party is instead changing them. Yep. And during the Biden presidency thus far, instead of fighting back against the establishment, they have run cover for it. Uh, the leader of the Progressive Caucus, Pramila Jayapal, uh, yesterday just gave Joe Biden an A, and AOC said he is exceeding expectations, despite the fact that Biden and the Democrats, as we touched on earlier, are not even fighting for strong structural reforms like Medicare for All, a living wage, and something like a monthly UBI during a moment of historic inequality. Yeah. Uh, what is your reaction to how uh, the progressives have totally capitulated to the Biden administration? And does this mean it's time for leftists and, and progressives and socialists to embrace a new strategy? Because clearly changing the Democratic Party from within is not working. Yeah, I, I never bought that strategy, to be honest. Um, the only reason I really got behind and helped Bernie was because I had followed him for a lot of years before that um, and seen a, sort of a consistent messaging. And he was an independent for that whole time. Like if he was a Democrat the whole time, even if the messaging was consistent, I would have bailed on it because I already understood at that point what it was, you know, like how, how this system works or, you know, works. <laughs> right. you know? So, um, but the, the, the truth is, is that they have joined the, the, the squad and all of them have joined the ruling class now. Um, and frankly, 
I mean, I can't speak for them specifically because I'm not in their heads, but I could imagine, for example, that a lesser principled person might get in there and then realize like, I can still push for change. I can still kind of want to do the right things and I'll push for this and that and I'll say the right things and, uh, and whatever. But when it comes down to it, uh, I don't want to lose this job because I get $174,000 a year plus committee assignments. I get uh, free healthcare. I get a retirement package. Um, and I get, I'm, and I'm like a superstar, you know, and I get to do all this stuff. And so they end up just for their own self-interest, um, convincing themselves, I think in a lot of cases that, that if they just capitulate a little bit here and a little bit there, um, you know, it'll make their time a little more pleasant and, and perhaps be let, they'll be threatened less by having their seat, you know, like redistricted out and things like that. Um, but, but. Again, man, it just comes down to, look, if you want to fight, let's fight. Like you got to be willing to fight all the time. I've always been this kind of a person. And I think that that's the kind of person we need. You know, the January 6th thing, for example, I don't even care that those people did that. I hate it. I hate it that they did it for the reasons they did it for, because that was really stupid. Right. Um, uh, they but, weren't like actually like trying to like overthrow the government for no, you know, no, Medicare no. for all or living no, no, wage no. or for everyone to have dignity and it, justice for it's all just people. For their, they were doing their, it to install an autocrat. Like, yeah, it for, was, for their king dipshit. Is right, all, for that's their king dipshit. Like it's yeah, a really shitty way to have, <laughs> like, it's a really shitty thing to have a revolution for. Like, yeah, yeah, we it's actually, really bad. If we're gonna, we need a revolution, but we need it to actually put power into the hands of the people and the working but, class, but, not into the hands of Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, but but the thing is, is in principle though, you shouldn't have to storm the fucking Capitol building to be able to meet with your representatives and to be able to see them and working and shit like that. Like those people are supposed to be working for my, for us. And I've said this on, on another podcast, a smaller podcast before, but you know, the way I look at it, if I had my, like, if I had a, a crown on and I could just do one thing all on my own, like, you know, the way that uh, somebody might be able to, all of those congressional offices would be made of plexiglass. They were, you'd be able to walk by as a civilian, you'd get a map, like it's a, like like you're at the San Diego Zoo and you'd be able to walk by and like look into every one of those offices and be like, you know, is AOC doing anything? You know, what's J- Pramila Jayapal doing? Is she doing anything? Is what's Mitch McConnell doing? Like you should be able to just walk down the hallways there. The fact is, is they had to break in because I mean, they're idiots, but but also the, the fact that they had to break in at all is a problem, you know, and all that the, the response from those people are like, have you ever seen the Democrats or anybody in Congress work together this quickly to get something done? Like all of a sudden they felt scared. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to shore up the defenses of this building. We need to bring in troops. We need to do all like they will protect themselves and they, they no stone left unturned to protect themselves, but fuck the rest of us. Right. So right. like, I, I just, I really don't, I, I have no respect for it. And, and when I saw, you know, I supported AFC too in the beginning. Um, cause I wanted to believe, you know, I, I like, I knew better, but, but I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And then I, I wasn't wrong, you know, but like in the beginning, I really supported her and I wanted her to do well. Um, and, but then after that January 6th thing where she's talking about like all this fearing for your life stuff and everything else, I'm just kind of like, you know, there are troops overseas that fear for their lives every day. There are people overseas who fear for their lives from the U.S. government every single day. There, there are people who get pulled over by police and fear for their lives every single day um, because, of, because of the abuse of the, that system. You know, I just don't have any empathy for rich, powerful people who got a little scared once. Like, I don't give a shit. 
Like, you know, well, what, what, what I didn't like about it is that they, it was like, they called it like, people are saying this is the greatest threat to our democracy. Yeah. First of all, we as don't if we have a democracy. democracy. Yeah. Right. You know, we, we live in a full on like fascist oligarchy. I know. If we're being exactly. honest, right. With a government right. that does not work for our people. Exactly. It works for the ruling class. But secondly, like, you know, every day that we have a government that puts corporations over people, like that's a threat to the well-being of the people. That's a threat to any of course. To us ever having democracy. Every day we have a government that, you know, puts uh, the ruling class over the working class is a threat to having democracy. And I, I'm, in a, I'm a, I'm and a so, militant. Sorry. I was so just yeah, going to so say, I was I, gonna say that it just got blown out of proportion. And the other thing yeah, I would say is yeah, I yeah, think yeah. a lot of these people on the right, you know, I disagree with their ideology because I feel like they've been so led astray. I think a lot of these, especially like there's a lot of working class voters still vote Republican. And it's because the Republican party. And if you turn on people like Rush Limbaugh or Fox news, they kind of feed them this narrative that's like, you know, and I disagree with the narrative, but they have a story to tell them. And it's like, that's the right. reason you're getting, the reason you're, you know, your, your, your wages are going down. And the reason like you don't have as much saved as you thought. And the reason you, you don't have goddamn illegal year. Yeah. It's because it's the yeah. immigrants, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the people from that are coming across the border. And so I a hundred percent disagree with that because the reason of course. Uh, there, there's less opportunity here. And the reason that they, they don't have the wages they want is because the work, excuse me, the ruling class and the billionaire class and these giant corporations shipped a lot of their jobs overseas to China and Mexico, yeah. got rid of, you know, someone in America, you know, in the eighties, you could support a family off a good blue collar, you know, manufacturing job. Well, yeah, union the immigrants didn't take whatever, those yeah. jobs away. Didn't ship nope. them away. Uh, actually the, the CEOs did and the billionaire class did. And Bill so, Clinton did Bill Cl and, and Bill Clinton with exactly with NAFTA and, and yep. some of these bad trade agreements. You're absolutely right. The powerful did. And so the, but the problem is, is like they, because they kind of, the Republicans use race baiting to kind of yep. keep their base in line. And what I think a lot of these Republicans don't realize is they're like, they, the, the, the Republican message machine is like, is actually hurting them because if it, because they're believing the wrong narrative. The bad guy is not the immigrants. The bad guy is actually not even your fellow uh, Americans or your li or the liberals. The bad guy are are the giant corporations and both corporate parties who continue to ship opportunities overseas That's and right. continue to just funnel more and more money up to the ruling class and That's screw right. over all of you. And so, but and then on the same token, you know, liberals are kind of taught the same message. It's just a little different. They say, "Oh no, it's the Republicans. They're the problem. If yeah. we can just get rid of all the Republicans." And you give us power, then everything will be great. Well, guess what? You got the power. We just guys. did that. We yeah. just got rid of all the Republicans. The Democrats control the entire government, and they're uh -huh. still not passing populist policies that would help the majority of the people. They're still not passing policies like Medicare for all, a living wage, uh, and, and so. You yeah, realize puzzling. that both parties are working against us and, and the solution can't be to keep supporting them. I just, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over I know. and over again and expecting a different result. But yet the American people keep supporting these parties who don't support them. Why is that? And, and do you think that running as an independent and getting more people to run independent uh, would be an important step to breaking up the corporate duopoly? Because I it do. just is insane to me that, that people do. keep supporting parties that don't support them. But I think that uh, there's a couple, there's a few dynamics, really. The, the one big one is that online discourse is poison. 
There's no there's no nuance in online discourse because people perceive an audience and when they perceive an audience, then they dig in their heels when when they when they're confronted with something they may have been mistaken about or anything like that instead of changing their minds. But face to face, I have directly changed the minds of probably hundreds of conservatives about Medicare for all and and things like this, just talking to them, showing up at their house and talking to them and telling them why, explaining how the economics of it work you know, and, and things like that, like that, that's the stuff. And, and that does like, people are still capable of changing their mind. It's just that, you know, especially during COVID and everything, because everybody's locked down so much and everything else. All we have is, is this online debate and God damn, I've got, I've lost, like, I have no patience left for anybody online, but in real life, I have so much more patience than I used to for people mm. like checkers at grocery stores and, and other people that I, that I, I interact with, you know, they make a mistake. I'm just cool. And I'm, you know, whereas before I'd be like in a hurry and upset, but like, you know, it's really, why switched. do you think that I agree with you? There is, you know, as someone who's pretty active on Twitter myself, I do see, you know, everyone seems to be very kind of combat combative. And, you yeah. know, I'm someone who believes in, you know, I believe politicians will not do what we want them to do unless you hold their feet to the fire. So I, yeah. you know, I'm not afraid to criticize politicians. I think that if we ever want to live in a democracy that we have to criticize our politicians so they will actually work for the people. But you know, there's yeah. a lot of people who kind of stand politicians and worship politicians. So yeah. I, you know, I've had a ton of people, you know, kind of meet me with just this intense vitriol for yeah. simply like, you know, wanting AOC and the squad and, and Democrats to actually uh, fight for the policies they can do your on, job, which I think is just very do reasonable. your job, right? All do your we job. want is you to do your fucking job, right? But why do you think that that <laughs> online discourse has has become so sour and become so kind of I mean uh, divisive? Because it's always not, been. I don't even know that's the right word, but it's just like people are at each no, other's it's right throats, word. and and no one's no one's really like we're not people aren't listening to to each other. We're like all talking past each other, and no yeah. one like wants to listen or learn. From, right. from anyone's tweets. There's like no engagement anymore. It's just like, I got to prove my point. Oh, fuck you. You want AOC to actually do her job? Well, you're horrible. You're a, you're a C I got called the CIA op the other day. Oh, um, I did too. Know. Hey, how, what the hell? how's it going? Steve, what fellow, is going on? Fellow what agency is guy. <laughs> what is happening? Why is it? What is going on with people? I, for me, well, part of it is like, are people so set in their belief system that like maybe saying like this idea of changing the democratic party what you thought was the right strategy is maybe not the right strategy because yeah. I, in my heart, like you, I don't believe you can change the democratic party. No. I don't think you can change a party that is owned by wall street and giant corporations no. and, and try to move that left. That's like trying to move wall street left or trying to move Jeff Bezos yeah. left or it's trying like to trying move to, the oligarchs yeah, left. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. Yeah, it you can't do sense. that. Um, so, but what, what do you think it is? Why is there such a, there's like these crusaders who like, if you say one bad thing about a politician, they will like go fucking crazy. Well, I can say, I don't know, like in every case, obviously, I don't know, but, but, uh, a big part of it, I, I'm convinced is simply that, that people have created an identity for themselves that relies upon this, uh, you know, what, what politicians they back or what, right. um, what positions they even back, you know, policy wise, things like that. And it becomes a part of who they are. And that is the wrong way to go about any of this shit. You know, like we all need to learn to kill our heroes. 
Like, just mm. like I said, I was all about Bernie Sanders. But as of the point that he started giving shit away, on, you know, and saying, oh, not literally, Joe Biden's not my like, good friend. like metaphorically. Yes, I get your take yeah, him yeah, down yeah. from the pedestal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Metaphorically. I'm not, I'm not, not saying yes. anybody should You're not should advocating violence. You're not, <laughs> no. But see, this is how crazy people no. are. No, they, we live in a time now where like someone could take that clip and not understand what that metaphor means. I didn't even it's realize a metaphor, it. everyone. It's like, take your heroes <laughs> off the off the pedestal yeah. and put them on because yeah. they, just like you, they are flawed and, and, and supporting anyone unconditionally. Yeah. And, and is, Thank you for not clearing healthy. that up. Thank yes. you for clearing that and, up for me because and that the other thing I would just say is but like I'm if also, you can't I'm also handle a any guy, criticism so like, of your favorite politician yes. or your political party, then like you don't belong to a political party. You're in a cult. You're in a cult. This is That's what, what cult it is. supporters I know. do. I know. I know. But like, Go but ahead. like, you know, but I am very militant. Like I am, you know, like when you were talking earlier about the Democratic Party and 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 whatever, all I all I had going through my head was this quote from Malcolm X. You know, where he's talking about like that the liberals are the are the foxes, right? You know, you got the conservatives, they're wolves, but you can spot them, whatever. The foxes befriend you and they they treat you like you're a friend and then they stab you in the back, right? Right. And and so so that was Malcolm X. I love Malcolm X. I'm I'm a militant kind of guy. Like I'm pro-gun, you know, libertarian left, but I'm like four people carrying rifles if they're out protesting, if it's legal. Like in California it's not legal, but in states, most states it's, it actually is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm well, the, for the that. black Panthers who were, you know, revolutionary right. socialists, which Marxists, I love the black, they absolutely, they absolutely supported that too. You know, yes, they supported right. the right to and so, defend so, yourself and protect yourself. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the black Panthers and, and of that militant sort of way of looking at things. And so the, the other big thing is, is that I think going into being a politician with a clear head, you have to know, um, if you're going to do it right, which is what I'm trying to do. You have to know that you're going to be empowering people with things like uh, the right to bear arms who might not like you and might actually want to hurt you. And, and you're still going to be allowing them the, the means to do so. And it's a little bit of a scary uh, um, thing, you know, especially as a dad and things like that to, to be doing that. But, but it's still what I believe in. And, and I don't believe I believe that if we're ever going to have a country that actually works and a world that actually works for the, for the bulk of humanity, that we have to actually trust people. We have to learn to trust people because, you know, we're already trusting them with their vote, you know, supposedly <laughs> we're already trusting them with their vote. So, so, so we're saying, Hey, you, you know, in principle, we're saying you run this government, you decide the direction that it's the boat, this boat is steered through your votes, right? That's the idea anyway. Um, and so if you start at that position, that's already a very, like, there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with doing that, with, with uh, voting for how, you know, the policies that your country is going to hopefully adopt and things like that. Like we need to take that seriously as, as a culture and as, a, as, as people. Um, but, but if we're going to trust people with their votes, we should also be able to trust them to have a gun and not use it. We should also be, you know, use it inappropriately, obviously. We should also be able to trust them to smoke weed and, and not drive and things like that, right? Doesn't mean we don't need any police or whatever for, for eventual murders or things that might happen. But but certainly the the I fall a lot farther like a, away from the defund the police and towards the the abolish the police thing because if you have a truly fair and just society where, where, where people have what they need, where the, the bottom isn't 
you know, homelessness and um, abject and poverty, poverty um, and the top isn't $200 billion, um, you know, when you have a, a system that, that works with, you know, in my, my world, uh, like, I don't think billionaires should exist at all. Um, but, 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 but if you have a system like that, guess what? You're not going to need as many cops. You don't need those right. many cops. Right. Yeah. And people aren't going to be going around shooting up places and stuff like, you know, we also have a major, uh, a major, um, ecological, or, uh, you know, environmental problems because one thing that I share a lot of times when, when mass shootings happen and things like that is there's a thing called the, the, uh, the gun or the, the crime, the lead crime hypothesis, the lead crime hypothesis is they've looked at statistics and stuff and shown that the, the crime worldwide country by country, when lead was eliminated from the environment in those areas, crime went way down, violent crime went way down. Um, all this stuff about 20 years later, because it's, it's, it has to do with like the children um, being exposed to lead when they're young and it causes psychosis, uh, you know, schizophrenia, a bunch of other things um, in, in people. So there's an article I share all the time about this um, from Reuters in like 2018 or 2017. And the headline, so people can Google it, is 3,810. That's the number you need to Google. 3,810 communities or areas within the United States that have lead poisoning double the level of Flint, Michigan. Hmm. 3,810 areas in this country alone with lead poisoning double Flint, Michigan's. And then we got Joe Biden and, and Gavin Newsom in our state still approving fracking, fracking permits, which is where we get that lead, a lot of that lead put into our water through fracking um, and things like that. And it's just like, you know... I just, you know, it, it kills me just like most people, I, you know, liberals like to call themselves bleeding hearts, but I, I'm more than that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a very sensitive, very tender kind of guy. You know, I have a, a gruff exterior for protection, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm a very, very soft kind of guy on the inside. And, you know, anytime one of these shootings happens and a bunch of people die, you know, it, it, it tears me apart. And, and all I can well, think, I think of is like all the stuff we could be doing to fix this right. and nobody's well, doing a fucking thing. That's the thing is you're connecting the dots. I think a lot of people don't realize that the, that the reason it's all connected. You know, when you have a society where people can't, you know, people, are, their opportunities are gone and they can't, that's right. they're, not, they're not allowed to have a dignified life and, and, and they're living in abject poverty then what do you expect these people to do? You know, and so people aren't connecting Die. the dots and seeing that like, <laughs> right? That like, so that's the, all the, it is. the fact that we have an, econ an economy that is rigged for the ruling class and rigged for the billionaires and continues yeah. to allow them to get richer and richer, they don't, they're not realizing that, well, the, the net effect of that is communities are getting poorer and poorer. And as all these communities are getting poorer and poorer, people are getting more desperate. Of and, and course. And so then when people have things like mental health issues or drug and alcohol issues, which I've struggled with, you know, yeah. when I, one of the things that, one of the huge reasons I support Medicare for all, I would not have a podcast and be speaking to you right now if I didn't have health insurance and I couldn't go get help for my drug and alcohol addiction. I would yeah. have died 10 years ago. I was a hope to die drug addict. And the only reason I'm alive is because I had health insurance and I could go get help. Think of how many people are struggling with addiction problems in communities that also like they didn't have, a, they don't have jobs, they don't have good health care. And so 
they're desperate and they can't even get help from their, you know, they can't go get help or they can't get treatment because they're, they, they're worried about what the bill is going to look like. And so of then what do you expect these people to do? Then that's why people lose control and that's why they get so desperate. And so we're not understanding that so long as we have a government that wants to continue to work for the billionaire class and work against the majority of the people and against the 99%, these problems in our society from you know, income inequality to racial injustice to addiction to, you know, lack of health care to lead in the water. You know, when you look at the environmental problems, these are just going to keep getting worse and worse so long as we as a society keep giving our power away to two parties that don't give a shit about any of us and, and just every- want to funnel more money to the, you know, their donors and to themselves. And That's a big what, part the other of that-, thing that kills me. Most people in Congress are millionaires now. Of They're course, using yeah, our yeah. government to enrich themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but but a big part of that also is that people need to understand that that um, those those people that are in office, there, there's a there's a cartoon I a meme cartoon thing that I post every now and then. But it, uh, to describe it, it's a it's a um, somebody who hung themselves right and committed suicide from a tree, and then um, the person that comes along it says they're a politician. So it's like the person hanging themselves is tragedy. And then the person coming along as a politician and, and what they do is they tie their legs up to the other side and then they sit on them and they swing. Right. Because mm-hmm. to them, tragedy is an opportunity. And, and that is another major problem with what we face is that every time there's, you know, Mike, uh, George Floyd gets murdered. Right. And we get what we get from the Democratic Party is a bunch of assholes kneeling down in in and kente, kente cloths, right? right? And it's like, what else? I mean, you know, if that was one thing they did, and then they also went and they actually reformed some shit, they actually passed some stuff and made some stuff happen, or at least tried to, you could you could almost make it. It's like, okay, well, you know, they did the Hollywood bullshit or the you know the the performative stuff, but at least they backed it up, right? Like you could at least make that argument, but they don't. They don't care because to them, I mean, there's a joke that that politics is Hollywood for ugly people. And I resemble that remark. But it's like, you know, it's that that's what we have is we have we have this performative shit. That's all it's designed to do is continue dividing people and continue propping themselves up and making themselves look like they're they're the they're the hope. You know, but right. they, or but, propping up but their they, party they belong to is like our party's the solution right. when like both parties are working against our interests and neither party is constantly. The Constantly. Yeah. yeah. If you were elected to Congress, how would you use your seat to actually fight for the policies that you campaigned on? And how would your approach differ to that of uh, the squad uh, and progressives who continue to take a passive approach against the corrupt establishment? I, I'm a militant guy, like I said, and I'm an asshole. So I would be holding press conferences every single day. Even if no press shows up, I'll have a staffer hold a phone and live live stream it. I don't really give a shit. But I'll be t- I'll be naming names. I'll be telling people exactly who stands in the way of what. Um, I, my background is as a journalist, although not like a you know serious political journalist, but still I I understand journalism. I would be a journalist for the people inside to be able to tell them what's actually happening, who's meeting with whom and things like that. Um, I also, I don't know the legality of it. That's the only thing that's stopping me from hundred percent committing to this, but I want to put a, a webcam in the corner of my office. One of those ones, like you can like, like when there's birds in a nest, you know, you want to check out the Eagles, how they're doing or whatever. Those always on webcams. I want one of those up in the corner of my office too. So that people all around the world really can always check in and see, you know, if I'm actually there working or, or what's going on in my office, because I think the transparency is the minimum, the minimum requirement mm. of anybody 
who's supposed to be representing the people of this country. You know, and uh, it goes back to that whole, uh, uh, you know, plexiglass offices thing. But, but, you know, ultimately the bottom line is, is I know that most people aren't going to work with me. All right. Just like they didn't work with AOC when she first showed up, you know, saying that she, if she would have stuck with her guns, they're always going to try and poo poo you and kick you out and, and treat you like you're not a part of the, the, the click. Um, and the thing is, is I have the particular personality that I like that. I like it when people don't like me, if they're worthy people, like, like if my mom didn't like me, I'd be upset. Right. But, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I would look inward and be like, Hey, what did I do? But if Nancy Pelosi thinks I'm an asshole, awesome. Like, I got, I'm, I'm good with it. And so, um, well, you if know, you're, if you're fighting, I'm just for that type of class people and you're fighting for the 99%, then Nancy Pelosi should not like you. That's because right. she's not fighting for working right. class people. That's an endorsement. Right? She's fighting for, <laughs> yes. And so that's like one of the things that's, drove, that's driving me crazy about this moment is like, you are never going to win victories for working people by playing patty cakes with the corrupt establishment. If we want to win victories for working people, AOC and the squad have to actually fight back against the establishment. They have to, and right now the Democrats have a very small majority in the House, which means five of them could come together, vote as a block, and stop any legislation that doesn't include the most progressive policies that benefit the majority of the people. The of problem course. is they're not doing that. They're not no. you know, voting in a block. They're not demanding progressive concessions. They're not going to the mat and fighting for a $15 minimum wage and Medicare for all and all the things that they should be fighting for. And I think that is, to me, what's been the most disappointing. And then to turn around, not only are they not fighting, now they're turning into like mouthpieces for the establishment mm. and they're running cover for Joe Biden yeah. when AOC says things like, well, you socialists over there, you know, who are actually fighting for the working class, you're bad faith actors, you know, or, you know, when she said that Joe Biden is exceeding expectations uh, when he's not doing a damn thing and he's doing less than the bare minimum. Uh, that is disappointing. I mean, she, th these people were elected to fight back against the system. Not to apologize for. I was system. so happy for her when she won. Like when I saw that video of her with the reporter in the bar, and like when she realized that she actually just beat Joe Crowley in the primary, and like yeah, the look like on her face, unbridled joy. I was just like, yeah, yeah like I was so I happy supported for her. AOC's campaign oh when God. AOC had twelve thousand followers. I have a message still from her. It's probably not hers or campaign manager, and they're like. We, we saw you just followed our campaign. Will you mind uh, promoting our campaign video today yeah. on Twitter? This is like 2018. And I'm like, so oh, people, sure, no problem. I'll and, share your campaign video and support your campaign. Like, go get them. I yeah, hope yeah, you but the thing is... And, and I just like... And I remember sharing the video and people getting excited, seeing yeah. how authentic she was. So it's like, I at one point supported AOC. And of course. Not, here's the thing. It's not... People but think kill your heroes. I don't hate kill AOC. I don't hate AOC. Like, I actually... Yeah. It's not personal. I just... I love the people and I love the, the, the working class and I love justice and dignity Same. for all people. And so I want to see her fight for that. And all so when people. I see that she's not fighting for that and yeah, she's right. not fighting for the policy she campaigned on, I'm going to say something about it. It doesn't mean I hate her. It's no. not personal. It's just no. I'm observing what I'm seeing. And I feel like some people, we, the problem with putting politicians on a pedestal and making them your heroes is that you start to, your politics don't become about policies and about principles. They become about feelings and they That's become right. about yeah. these personalities. <laughs> and so what I think is actually yeah. happening, there's half of the left right now 
doesn't even want to hold the squad or AOC accountable. And, and, and anyone who criticizes them, even constructively, like I do, and, and, and just wants them to fight for the policies they campaigned on, they like push back against us. And they're the ones really creating the division because they're saying that these politicians are above reproach, which no politician is above reproach. But Especially they don't realize that they're like yeah. actually like pushing AOC further to the center and away from like who she was in 2018. Like if there was any hope left for the squad, that they would have to respond to the grassroots and respond to constructive criticism, and they should welcome the criticism. We, they don't need these people standing in the way and being like, hey, stop it, stop what you're doing. And so, yeah, that to me is sad. I feel like people are putting personalities and putting um, these celebrity politicians above the, the very policies they say they cared about and the very policies AOC campaigned on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Question for you. Yeah. Because you, you are an independent, do you think that would give you more freedom and leeway to challenge and push back against the corrupt establishment? Yes, absolutely. If you were elected because you're not a part of the party, so yeah. you won't feel like you have to be beholden to the party. Like, yeah. I think that's part of what's holding AOC and them back is they, they're trying the to say, well, we're Democrats. It's like, no, yeah. if you're a Democrat, you're that's corrupt. Right. If that's you're correct. a Republican, you're corrupt. That's so like correct. if you if you if you are what you say you are, then you would be fighting back against Joe Biden and Pelosi and the Democrats, not trying to join them. And frankly, uh, you know, and I know this is a little bit of a of an egocentric view because I'm an independent and I'm fighting for independence to to do a lot in this government. But ultimately, I believe that if if even if she got into office, any of those people that got into office as Democrats I think if they really believed in fighting for the people, they would have changed their party affiliation after they got in and became independents. Because especially somebody like AOC, she's such a mega superstar um, that in her district, like I don't, she could be any party and they, they'd probably That's vote right. her in. Like they, she, she's not in a threat, threatening, threatened position. So, you know, yeah. she, has she has a the lot ability of power. to like actually like bring mo energy to the, the imagine, socialist movement, to the independent yeah. movement. She could she could break away from the Democrats. And, imagine and, and if, the fact imagine that she, if she called people is, to is the DC. Yeah. Imagine if she called people to D.C. to protest to get a vote on Medicare for all. Like she yeah. said on her platforms, like, hey, everybody come out here and protest because we need to get Medicare for oh, all. Oh, yeah. If she used her seat as a movement leader and actually oh, like, my God. To, to used, used it to push the, the, the push the establishment. Yeah. That's all we're asking for. And I think. Yeah. One of the things is like, I think it's a reasonable ask because I think, again, this is just a, a misunderstanding I think a lot of people have of power is AOC didn't get her massive platform from the corrupt establishment. She got her no. massive platform from the people, from the grassroots. Right. And then so she, it's very she fair in. to ask her to use her platform to fight for us and to actually like use it as like a movement leader to, to get yep. you know pressure onto the party to, to adopt the most progressive agenda, but she's doing the opposite right now. Yeah. Yeah. She's sheepdogging. And so, and it's the same thing that I I'm really upset about Bernie for doing, but it's um, you know, and I see it in my own district, honestly, that the, 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 there's probably out of the thousands of homes that I knocked on their doors, there's probably uh, a dozen to two dozen houses that just slammed the door in my face. And in hindsight, I realized literally 100% of those were all liberal Democrats that they just didn't like me because I wasn't a Democrat. Um, but every Republican would listen to me. Most Democrats would listen to me, but all the ones that didn't listen to me, those are, those are Democrats too. Um, and what I, what I learned is that uh, a lot of these Democrats, just regular voter Democrats, just regular people, um, they see AOC and these other people, um, you know, the, the rest of the squad, uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib and, and, you know, all of them, Ilhan Omar, 
They see them as representing the potential of the Democratic Party, and it, it motivates them to vote for corporate Democrats. So, so you, you end up by even by including yourself as a quote unquote progressive or leftist or whatever it is that they, they call themselves, even by including yourself in that party, you are actually going against your own uh, uh, beliefs and your own desires of what you think needs to get done because you're enabling everybody else in that party and that party itself to gain more and more power as a corporate structure that it is. So right. they're actually, you know, in a very real sense, any of those people that aren't fighting which is all of them, you know, uh, they are, they are, they are just as much responsible for the failures, um, uh, of their own things that they, that they care about. That strategy is killing off, uh, what they say that they stand for. And, and that's not going to change. It's just not, you, you have to actually make them afraid. You have to, you know, make them think that they're going to lose the entire government, you know, bring in myself. And then a, maybe, a, maybe, maybe we get to a half a dozen, maybe we get to 10 independents in there. Um, and then we have that power that the squad refuses to use. And we'll be able to um, do that on any number of, of issues um, and, and force votes and, and block votes and, and things like that. And that, that is uh, one way forward. And I think, frankly, if this fails or if something like this fails in the short term, um, I think it's going to get a really bad here, like really bad, really fast. And it, like, we're going to end up like, I think right now, and you could maybe mark this cause it, this might become true. I believe, because I know what happened last time, the Clinton, the Clinton campaign, um, Pied Piper Donald Trump cause they thought it, she, he'd be easiest for them to, to defeat. And of course they didn't actually end up defeating him. Um, I think that the Democrats are doing that now with that Marjorie Taylor Greene moron and and they're going to help prop her up. And then she's going to they're trying to make her, I think, a primary part of the Republican that the Democrats can run against, because to them, it's about creating a boogeyman on the other side that's going to be super evil. Um, and then that way you have to vote for this corporatist piece of shit because that one is worse. Right. That's right. the whole game. And so I think, that, you know, all this stuff going out about her not getting invited to this thing and, and all, all these Democrats, like there was a, I mean, and this is a true, true statement. Democrats across the country are fundraising off of Marjorie Taylor Greene right now. They right. are using her to raise money. And if we Which, know anything okay, about I say, them, I need to they're not going so to fix it. Here's what's so crazy to me though, is like, Sure. Like, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is, is a moron. Like you said, I would yeah. never support someone like that, but to me, she's also irrelevant because I don't care about Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. What I care about is everyone in this country having guaranteed health care. What right. I care but about is that she's every a scary day one. working class people are, dry, are going to work and yeah. working eight hours and aren't making a living wage. Millions I mean, of working class 68, people. So, 68,000 people die every single year for lack of affordable health insurance. Right. And, and that's 165 people every fucking day. And, every, and all these people in Washington sit around... Like, I really think that they need to think about that. I don't, I'm not sure if they do or don't, but they need to understand that every single day that they're fucking around and they're like playing footsie with each other, 165 Americans die every yep. day. 
You yeah. know, and they're going to talk about they're going to talk like, about why? who cares about the, the Republicans at the end of the day. What are t- I don't care what you're against. Tell me what you're fighting for. What right. are you fighting for? Don't get get rid of these scapegoats because but that's the problem with the Democrats, because the truth is they're not fighting for anything except their corporate donors. That's right. So they have to find that the Russia, you know, they have to blame Russia. They have to blame podcasters. They have to blame, you know, Fox News. They have to blame Republicans. They have to blame QAnon. I mean, they. If they were really fighting for an agenda that benefited the 99%, they wouldn't have to find scapegoats because the 99% would be voting for the party in numbers that were too big to deny. Here's but the another problem example. is they don't want to do that. And so that's what I hate right. about these politics of scapegoating. We need to be focused on the policies, on the issues. And, and that's, to me, why the Democratic Party, they're a lie. Like They want to continue to use, oh, Republicans are bad, so vote for us. And it's like, right. no. The, the truth is, and here's the other truth, there is no lesser of two evils. No. The entire system is evil. That's the correct. entire system is corrupt because it's a system that doesn't care how many people die from lack of health care. It doesn't care that it's locking kids in cages. It doesn't care that it's bombing people overseas. It doesn't it's care immoral. that it's making poor and working class people go and, and sign up for the draft and go over there to fight these wars to make the That's rich right. people richer. It doesn't care that people work and aren't making a living wage. It doesn't care that people are getting evicted from their apartments. All the system cares about is protecting the capitalist class and and protecting this decrepit capitalist system. That's all it cares about. Yeah, that's correct. That's it. Yeah, well, and the thing is... And And we deserve a lot better than that. Another thing, thing for the people who might be listening to this who are skeptical of of what I'm saying, I'll give you a direct example about about how this works, okay? And this is part of what helped me understand, because remember, I was a Republican until 2002 or three, so, you know, my my world was tinted that way for a while. But the 1994 uh, assault weapons ban, at the time that they banned those weapons, uh, the sale of those weapons... They accounted for about one and a half percent of all gun crimes or gun homicides. Um, it was very little. It's still very little, by the way. It's still a very small number. The fewer people are killed with those rifles um, every year than are killed with no weapon whatsoever. Like literally hands and feet, like knocking somebody down and having their head hit the floor or whatever. Um, or, you know, yeah, so, so like more people die that way. The, but the point is, is they banned the weapons and then they put a 10-year sunset provision in that bill so that it would expire in 2004. And then, you know, and the thing is, is if you really believe that those weapons are a cause of this mass amount of suffering and death and everything else, why in the fuck would you allow that bill to, to undo itself in 10 years if you didn't vote on it again? Like, if you really believe that that's true, why would you do that? Like, you're actually, you're, you're playing chicken with people's lives at that point. Right. Right. But the reason why they did it, they want something to fight about again. That's right. They wanted to be able to get force people to vote for them, to put them back in office, to renew the ban. That was the whole thing. And they pushed it. They tried, but it was after nine 11 and the whole country swung. Right. So, but like they, but they really tried to do that. And that is the way it works. That is the operation of the whole system. Like if you understand how stupid that was, that's how it all works. That's how it all works. That's how the healthcare thing works. All of it. What do you want people to know about Steve Cox that makes you different from all the other politicians who run for office and end up being co-opted by the corrupt system? Well, I really hate this because um, one thing I, I, I have avoided since I started doing this is, is saying, trust me, because I don't think that's a healthy thing. I don't think anybody should trust anybody who's seeking a position of power of any kind. Um, you know, police officers, uh, priests, 
Like, you know, anybody who, who seeks to be an authority over other people in any way, um, you should never trust them. Never. Um, at, at, at best, trust should be very, very difficult to earn for those people. And it should be very, very hard to lose or easy to lose. Very easy to lose. So um, that's how I think that people should look at power structures and things like that is always be skeptical. So, uh, you know, I don't want to say trust me. But what I will say is, you know, I am a particular kind of asshole. Like I just, I know what I believe in. I know why I believe in it. And, 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 you know, I, I will absolutely fight because I enjoy it because <laughs> I enjoy fighting. So, so, you know, it, it's not a thing where I'm going to be trying to get anything from anybody else. The bottom line is, is I, you know, at this point I've got a, a 16 month old daughter who's my entire world. She's everything I care about in the world. And, um, after this election, uh, if I lose again, you know, I'll do the the handbook I'm talking about, but I'm probably have to stop doing this because I've got to figure out what to do for my child, you know. But the reality is, is that when you look at our society and we're talking about all these things that are interconnected, you know, mm -hmm. my my daughter is going to have to live in this world with all these other heathens and jerks. Right. Uh, <laughs> like we don't want to fund education. Right. Well, that just means that all the people that are going to be living in the world with my daughter are going to be less educated. Right. So so that's not good. We're not going to fund like cleaning up the environment. So that's going to lead to all these people, you know, not only getting sick and dying because of directly because of pollutions and pollution and or, or uh, uh, climate change and things like that. But also the violent end of, of things and making things very unstable that way. But like I look at the world as like, what would I want? What do I need to do before I leave? You know, before I die? Because, I mean, I'm 44, so she's going to graduate high school when I'm 60, right? I, I don't have a long time, probably, for being her dad and being around for her. So what do I have to do to make her safe once I'm gone, right? What do I have to do to make this society work so that my, I, I, can, I can feel when it's time for me to go that, that, that she's in good hands, if you will, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that, to me... Uh, you know, that, that's the shit that keeps me up at night. You know, I got these circles under my eyes. That's what that shit's from. I get, I have, no, I never used to have nightmares ever since I became a dad. I have nightmares all the goddamn time. I, I'm a wreck, you know, because I, like every time one of these awful things happens, like I just can't even imagine, you know, on another point is like those 68,000 people who die of lack of health insurance every year, the, the people, uh, you know, 1200 people who die a hundred people a month who are killed by police, you know, um, all these really awful things that are happening in our country. And then also all the all the drone bombings, killing people in the Middle East and all this stuff. All I can think of every time this, you know, I, I go through this stuff is like, what would I do if that was my daughter? Like or 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 even my brother or my dad or whatever. Right. But, but you know, if it's somebody I loved and cared about, if a cop showed up and killed my dad, for no reason, just because he didn't obey immediately or whatever like that. I can tell you right now that I am not going to just be like, well, I guess there's not going to be a trial. You know, uh, justice is just what it is. I guess I got to go on with my life. I would I would get my justice. I would get it somehow. You know, I would I would plot for for years if I had to to get my justice. And I think that that is the type of person that we can put into office and actually although I hate to say it, trust that they're going to fight, you know, and, and that is my selling point. I don't expect people to like me. 
I don't really honestly care if they like me, but I do think that they, that they should respect me as somebody who's willing to go to the mat on anything that I believe in and why I believe it. And that I'm going to be fighting for the right reasons. Cause I've made a lot of money, uh, in particular years. And for me, it's not like billions, but like, you know, one year I made $230,000 or something like that, uh, gross income in my doing my job. Um, like, and the thing that I knew about that, I was also separated from my wife at the time. We had a lot of troubles. And the thing that I realized during that period of time is that it's really just a matter of having enough money, right? Having, having more than you need doesn't really help you. Um, you know, it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't, you know, so I'm not motivated by money. I don't really give a shit, you know, about money. Um, I would live in my, I have a travel trailer that I use for like going out to the desert and riding. I would just live in that if I had to, I don't really care. Like it's not, for me, it's not a thing. So, you know, none of this uh, retirement packages. One other big point here that I don't want to miss because there's a big audience is that, is that uh, uh, I plan on donating more than half of my pay, my actual congressional pay to teachers in my district to reimburse them for supplies because one of my big policy pushes is going to be to, to, to base congressional pay on the median wage in the district they represent. So mm. the median wage is what they would get paid. And I think that, that that gets rich people out of office because they don't want to get paid so little, but it also opens it up for average regular people who, who that's a fine wage for them because that's what they make right now. And, um, and so as part of that, the median household um, uh, wage in the, in the 39th district prior to the pandemic, I don't know what it is now, um, but prior to the pandemic, the median household wage was about $80,000. So um, I will be donating all of my my income above $80,000 to teachers in my district to reimburse them for supplies because I'm not a hypocrite. Because a lot of politicians, as we already covered, are going to sit, make promises that they're going to support a certain thing, but know that it's not going to go anywhere. And then that way they can just kind of move on with being part of the establishment now. I'm going to mm. be donating more than half of my money. So I'm going to have to uh, pay taxes, income taxes and everything else on the other 80000 and pay for my own housing out of that, that 80,000 that's left. And I figured numbers I crunched all end up with like 45 grand that I, that I'll make actually, uh, doing this job <laughs> in a given year. So I ain't getting rich off this. Um, but, but I hope, I hope to make a lot of rich people very, very uncomfortable and, and, uh, and, and hopefully help a lot of people like me and you who are just regular people who are trying to survive, you know, that, that's, that's, that's who I want to represent. Mm. And thank you for sharing about your daughter. That was just, it was oh, she's, uh, her hear. name's, her name's, her name's Daphne. She's everything. Oh, well, no, thank you for sharing about Daphne and, and to hear just, you know, I think one of the big problems we have in our society is we're so disconnected from our humanity and, and from ourselves and also from each other. You yeah. know, when you talk about, you know, if the police had done that to your father and, and how outraged you would be. And it's like, we, I think sometimes people separate themselves from a lot of the suffering that our system produces uh, because it's maybe not directly happening to them. That's and, right. And, and as a whole, we've kind of lost sight of the fact that like we are that, that like we're part of humanity, and and I think we have to find our humanity, humanity and our compassion for each other if we're ever going to kind of leave the world, you know, in in, in a space where your daughter can have a beautiful life and where her daughter and and her daughter's daughter, uh, you know, and. And when we look yep. at things like the climate crisis, you know, we're starting to kind of come up to this point where like, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they, they're like, okay, well, 
they, they, we kind of value our lives based on like, okay, what, what, what our education was or what our job was and all these kind of outside, you know, looking at it from that perspective, but status, right. But is like that really what it's about? Like for me, it's about leaving this world a little bit better uh, than when I got here. And and I feel like we've lost that as as a species, as a definitely in the American society that it's, everything is so driven by greed and, 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 and your worth is valued on how many followers you have or how, what your paycheck looks like, or, you know, we, we've lost the, hu- the human element in, in, in each other and ourselves. And, and, that and a lot of that is from that So to hear your stuff. humanity is beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. I mean, we need human centered policies, human centered people in office. You know, that's, this is what led I, me I'm down to the road of realizing I'm a socialist. Cause I just realized, <laughs> yeah, I think that the working class should yeah. own the means of production. I'm, they I should am, control the country, not the, I am not team- Jeff Bezos. What we call team human, right? I'm team human. Right. I want to make sure that human beings are taken care of. And, and obviously uh, all the other animals on the planet too, uh, to the extent that, that they can be. Um, that, but, you know, the thing about having, um, I had a lot of people before I had a kid telling me how um, I don't understand certain things because I'm not a father. And I always took offense to that because my wife and I were trying for a long time. It just wasn't mm-hmm. working. Um and I, I, I would get kind of offended, but now that I'm a dad, I, I they were right. Those, most of those people were right. It, it changes how you see things um, in the best ways, you know, but, but well prior to her, um, what really changed my outlook on this was the first time I tried mushrooms. <laughs> I tried, <laughs> I tried, uh, and I've only well, done I had it a tw- few, I had a few magic <laughs> mushroom trips myself before I got I've only sober, done it. Let me tell you. I've only done it twice, but, but in 2013 was the first time I did it. And, and I started to, uh, like, there's something about hallucinogenics that, that make you realize that. Can that, I just time out for a second and just say yeah. like how fucking cool you are that like you're running for office and you don't give a fuck about talking about the fact that you took mushrooms. Like, I think that's so yeah, refreshing because the other part of our society is everyone's like trying to present this like perfect image of themselves yeah. and like nobody's perfect. Everyone's, no. you know, screwed up. No, the more perfect way. they are, so the I just less love I the trust authenticity. Them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that. But, I love the I, authenticity. I appreciate I, it. I appreciate that. But, but I, there's a point to this, which is that, um, psychedelics for whatever reason, they make people start to understand how interconnected we all are. And I, and it did, it made a lot of changes like that for me too. But the thing, the thing that really gets me and, and, and this is more of a social statement and even an, for, for our online world and everything else, you know, the, it's a cliche, but people say, be the change you want to, you want to see in the world and stuff like that. The reality is, is that all human beings, all human beings, with the exception of, a, you know, a small percentage of like sociopaths and stuff, all human beings have the same basic needs and desires, because that's what makes a human being a human being. We all want to be included in our community and, and respected by our community for what we can contribute to our community. Um, we all want to be treated with, with a, a, you know, respect for who we are as a person. Like as a gay man, there was a period of time in this country, a long period of time where you didn't get treated like just a regular person. Yeah. You know, and it was but, painful. Of course, of course. But you are a regular person. I mean, and and if we start, I think that that's a big major flaw. And I think this plays right into the oligarchy's hands because the oligarchy loves it that we that we start conversations by talking about our differences. You know, we Mm. talk about like uh, what color we are, what gender we are, what what sexual orientation we are, what, you know, whatever number of things, whatever, whatever party we identify with, all these different things. Instead of our common humanity. Yeah, but we need to Instead start. Instead of the fact that like we all, basically what I think is like we all just want to be loved and to yes, love. Yes, of course. Right? 
at our of core. Course. It sounds so cheesy. But and, and but I think like really love, ways, not not like adored no, or, or you no know, right no no like love, but like really like love, love, like hug like for, and and, and like for who you are. That's right, right. That's right. Like love, and 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 not yeah. just you know, yes, and maybe in in some ways that looks like you know everyone wants a partner where it's like a romantic love. But right. I also think just more of a plutonic thing too, where like people just want to be loved, they want to be understood, they want to be accepted, they want to feel like they belong, and and but yeah. that soft tender side of us. We get, we get, we, we, we push down within ourselves because the world is so it's, fucking hard and so cold and so cruel. And especially our decrepit capitalist system where it's just, you know, exploiting people and, you know, people are working longer hours, making less pay, not getting universal health care. And so what ends up happening is instead of like kind of going to that softer parts of, of ourselves, we're all always in competition with each other and thinking we have to, you know, we have to kind of outdo each other instead of kind of looking within each other and seeing that like we're all human and that we all have so much in common. And, and it kills me. Uh, it really does. It, it kills it, it, all it of kills us. It kills me. <laughs> I mean, it's literally killing all of us. Like it's killing, literally, it's killing yes. our society and, and our planet because we can't get past the greed of the of big of the big oil companies. Yeah. Uh, well, I just looked at the clock and, and realized we went way over time. Um, <laughs> but I think I could have talked to you forever, Steve. I love yeah, that you're so open minded you. and and you just you 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 know in a society that's driven by fear, uh, you just kind of speak from the heart and 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 speak your truth. And I think there's something very liberating about that. You know, well, for me, it's like, that. I don't have to agree with everyone on every issue. I don't think anyone agrees with anyone on every issue. No. But I appreciate people who are genuine and who are themselves and who are not driven by fear and worried about, oh my gosh, is someone going to be offended that I said this? And and so thank you for owning your truth. And how how can my listeners find you on social media or get involved with your campaign? So to, to get to get in touch with me, my website, I'm, I'll be rebuilding soon, um, but it's voteforcox.com. But on that website, there's like 30,000 um, words of policy and philosophy, all sourced for data and everything else. So, you know, I and a, a, most politicians want to put as few a li as little as they can about their policies on their website because they know that they're inviting people to find reasons not to vote for them. But, um, you know, again, I have to trust people and, and we have to be able to tell people exactly what I stand for. And I want them to be able to make that choice anyway, because if we're going to have any sort of a long term fix to our country and our world, it's got to be based on the people making good choices for themselves and for for their societies. So um, I, I, I don't hide anything. Um, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm a bit of an asshole and I don't really apologize for it. Um, but the, but the, the, you know, what I really need is I need to raise a, a, a minimum of about $10,000 because then I can use that money, um, to raise more money, to buy, uh, donor lists and things like that so that I can, so I can call and get more money. Um, I don't need to raise as much money as the people I'm running against. Um, I raised $500 or I spent $500 on promotion in 2020 and i got 4.8 percent of the vote spending only 500 dollars. and to to put that it in is for people who don't realize and don't work on campaigns to only spend 500 dollars and get five percent of the vote yeah. is incredible yeah that means like if you just had a little bit more money you could have maybe even beat both of them I that's, mean, that's right incredible so so the thing is, is like to put On that in perspective, uh, a couple districts over, Chank Uger from the Young Turks ran. Um, he spent five hundred thousand dollars, and he got less than one thousand votes more than I got in my district. Wow! For a thousand times the money. 
Um, I don't dude, need... I didn't know that. That's yeah. incredible to only yeah. spend 500 bucks and get 5% of the vote. That is that. I mean, the return on that's an, it, ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I know I, corporate Democrats scale, spend, yeah. they spend like $3 million just to get that like 48% they need to beat their competitor. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous how much money they spend. Um, there's a link on my website and also on my Twitter profile. Um, you know, my, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram are all real Steve Cox. So you guys can find, find me there. Um, you know, and, and I guess just try and enjoy it because, you know, I will, you know, you come in and you start talking shit to me. I will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you. But, but I hope that people can at least start to understand that I'm, I'm actually, you know, that that's just the kind of guy I am and that that's the kind of person we need, um, to go to Congress in the first place, you know? So hopefully I can get this message across that, <laughs> That like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's our fault as voters, as citizens, that this message or that this mess is now what it is. Um, but but that's what I'm running on. And 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 I'm doing that again because I, I believe that the people themselves deserve, uh, uh, you know, to be heard. And and, you know, again, a lot of responsibility comes with being, um, you know, with the power of, of being able to steer your government. So, um that's really it, man. Uh, if awesome. anybody who doesn't well, have money, please just tell, please tell friends and stuff like, you know, just advertise for me if you can, because all of us have to play a role in fixing this thing. This government didn't just happen, um, by, by, by accident, you know, uh, no. it took a lot no, it's of years, been years in the making decades years, of, years. of decades people voting lesser, yep. lesser evils, if you will. And, and for yep. picking party lines on ballots and all this sort of shit. And it's not yep. going to get fixed until we get past that. So, um, you know, all of us have a role to play. I happen to have chosen this role. It's not going to be the same for everybody, but you know, you've chosen this role as well that you're doing the podcast and things like that. And that's, that's amazing too. And so, but we all, all of us, even people with no Twitter following or no whatever, like uh, nobody is unimportant. We all need no, to play. Everyone, play our everyone's role. voice matters. I mean, the That's thing right. is, is right now both parties aren't. You know, there is no representation in our government because None. both parties, you know, don't work for us. But if we want to get our voice back, we have to make our voices heard and and be loud and proud and unapologetic about it. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast is to put power back in the hands of the people and That's to right. empower people to go and. and and fight for the government they deserve, right? Yeah. And, and that is our responsibility right. as citizens. If we want a better government, then we got we got to get a better government. We got to vote for a better government. We got to you know take responsibility for that, or we, we have to tear it. the government down and, and, yeah. and build power outside of the government. Which I am also. I mean, I'm for. I support every strategy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I support I building agree. power outside, building dual power, and and you know direct action and those kind of things. And I oh, also great. support people who will run outside the duopoly, like yourself, and and people who are Green Party or people who are socialist. I think it I'll, takes. I'll both. support anyone who's not support that doesn't support the two corporate parties. Yeah, because I think that's the kind of energy we need. Me too. But we went way over time today because that's how much fun I had talking to you, Steve Cox. This was awesome. It, you know, if you guys can, I know times are tough. Pitch in some grassroots money to. He, uh, to Steve Cox. You can do a, uh, if you website. don't mind. If you don't mind me jumping in, you can do a monthly thing. So like I know all of us are pretty strapped, but if you wanted to make it like five dollars a month, if you think you won't miss five dollars, just do that. Like that's fantastic. You know that, but that's awesome. what we need to do. And and you know, thanks for having me on. If you ever want you me bet. on on here again to go way too long. Like have me on and we'll go way too long again. All right. And so I hope you guys, yeah, I think this is the record. We just made a new record. Uh, but uh, thanks again, Steve. And I, I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks, man. 
thank you for listening to another episode of Amped Up with Ryan Knight. And before we go, I want to take this moment to thank our benefactors who contribute uh, $20 a month to the show uh, to keep this show alive and going. So I want to thank Kenny Ballantyne, Tyler Sambucci, Nate Tocito, Lloyd Chapman, Ed Romo, John Littman, John Paul DeLuca, Susan Sarandon, DJ Comatos, Patty Cleary, and Elizabeth Kim. Thank you so much for your generous donations. And thank you, everyone, for supporting the podcast and supporting my work. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, go to patreon.com slash amped up if you want to support the podcast as well. And for as little as $5 a month, you'll get access to our bonus content. Have a great weekend, everyone. And we'll catch you next week with an all-new episode of Amped Up with Ryan Knight.